This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash writing excuses. Season 16. Episode 48. This is Writing Excuses, Believable Worlds Part 2, Creating Texture. 15 minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Dan. I'm Fonda. I'm Mary Robinette. I'm Howard. All right. So we are still talking about believable worlds. Last week was the illusion of real. And this year we're going to talk about creating texture. Uh, What is texture in a story in world building? Well, this really is a continuation of what we talked about last week, because a lot of the things um, that we mentioned, uh, similarity, specificity, selective depth, help you create texture in the world. And when I, I say texture, I mean the sense that your world is lived in, that it's not just sort of a, a stage a backdrop to your characters, but that your characters are interacting with that world. Um, and one of the ways that, uh, that I try to make this happen in my stories is to have the characters just move through their world in their daily lives the way we move through ours. Um, school, uh, religion, shopping, uh, daily transactions that you make, uh, transportation and getting from one place to another. And you, if you can do this while also advancing the plot, um, you will do a lot of world building in the background in a way that feels very organic. So if you have characters who need to have important meetings and they need to meet other characters to exchange information or to um, have confrontations um, and to have you know different things going on from a plot level, uh, one of the best ways to world build is just to have those conversations happen out in the world in different places. So don't have them all happen in the headquarters, you know, or, or in whatever, in their home, like have them get out there. I have a scene um, in which, uh, you know, you've, it's a very tense situation and it's this confrontation by, with the two characters, um, but it happens in a temple. And so you get to see the temple and get a sense of what religion is like in this world. And the fact that one character bows in the temple, but the other does not also tells you something about the characters. Um, I also have a scene where two characters meet at a sporting event. So those are, that's a, a way to have the, um, the world move by almost like you would in film, where off, in film things are happening and there's so much of the world building that is in the background with the costumes and the sets and all that. And you're not paying attention to it, but you are absorbing it. And you can do the same thing as a prose writer. Yeah, a couple of examples that leap to mind. Um, the the used universe of the first Star Wars film in 1977, um, which so influenced the genre. You know, this was the idea that things got dirty. Even spaceships got dirty and uh, and they were used and they had dents and scuffs and scrapes and whatever else. Uh, when Ridley Scott produced Aliens, he called that look truckers in space. Um, and it was very informative to us. And, you know, it let us feel like we were living there. Contrast that with when, uh, when Lucas shot the prequels, um, so many of the sets were designed just as green screen that a great many of the scenes were 
pair of characters carrying on a conversation while walking down a hallway in which they interact with nothing. And even though they then built lavish whatevers around them, it felt stale. And so for us as for us as authors, you know, the having people conversing in a temple, having people, you know, at a sporting event um, where the conversation, the scene requires interaction with what is around them. Um, that's crucial. There's there's actually an industry shorthand called touch the puppets, <laughs> which sounds <laughs> sounds different. Um but it is exactly this, that, that when you have uh, three-dimensional figures, that the actors, that the human actors can interact with the puppet actors, and it feels very real. Whereas when you have CG characters, there's, there's often no interaction, and so it feels like they're existing in two different worlds. One of the things that I do when I am plotting is that I will, um, I will write down a purpose of scene, which is my narrative intention for the scene. And then I'll write down activity. And the activity is the thing that the characters are doing in that scene, which often has nothing to do with the purpose of the scene. So if they are plotting, you know, it's like, we're going to plot this heist. They're doing it over while cooking a spaghetti dinner. And the thing that does for me is it makes the world richer, but it also allows me to introduce microtensions because that, you know, there can be things that are going wrong within the scene, like the water starts to boil over, which can uh, can mask the fact that they're they're just exchanging information in, in, in prepping for something. But it also, again, has that texture of making the world feel more real because small things go wrong in day-to-day life. Like, um, in one of the episodes that we recorded previously, we had to start over because outside the booth, my cat had knocked over the cat feeder and had like jumped in it. If we had left that, this would have felt so very real. <laughs> <laughs> We've removed our vital world building details. Uh, this is one of the benefits uh, that novels have over a lot of other mediums in that you are essentially unconstrained by budget or time. Uh, If you're making a movie or a TV show, then yeah, you probably only have a handful of scenic locations that you can use in your story. Uh, If you are writing a novel, you can have as many as you want. You can have that meeting take place at a temple or a sporting event because you don't have to pay extra to get a whole sports arena into your book. You just put it in there. I remember my first iPhone and... Uh, it was expensive, and and at one point I cracked the screen and could not just run out and replace it, you know, see item one. It was expensive. Um, and for a while, you know, finger swiping across the screen, there was a texture as I ran my finger across the crack, and it was the texture of of regret for having dropped it. <laughs> it was the texture of need for not having enough money. And I felt it every time I used the phone. Okay. And that was a little tiny rib feeling under one finger. And those kinds of details will give you way more insight into your characters than, uh, than you just got into me. All right. So our book of the week this week is one that does this so, so well. 
releasing this week into the world. We're so excited. Uh, Fonda, tell us about your book. I guess I should mention that I have a book coming out this week. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I am finishing off the Greenbone Saga uh, with Jade Legacy, which is the third and final book. Um, And it is uh, coming out November 30th um, in the US, uh, December 2nd um, in the UK and and internationally. Uh, And um, it is, uh, I've described the the Greenbone Saga as uh, epic, urban fantasy, Asian-inspired gangster family saga. And um, that's, that's probably as succinct as I have ever been uh, in describing it. Um, but it is about, uh, it takes place in a modern era uh, metropolis and um, one in which there is a uh, resource, Magic Jade, which endows certain people with very cool abilities. Um, and it is the story of two clans, um, in conflict and, um, uh, it, I'm just super excited to, to bring the story to a close. It has been a long, long journey and glad I get to come on here and talk to you guys about it. Well, thank you very much. Uh, the Greenbone Saga is one of my very favorite fantasy series ever. Uh, so excited for Jade Legacy to come out. So, uh, the first one is called Jade City, the second Jade War, and then this new one, Jade Legacy. So if you're unfamiliar with it start at the beginning and if you like so good they're so so good waiting so eagerly like the rest of us mary robinette you're a a cover quote on it aren't you i am i uh i I say that it's uh it's like your favorite wire work film crossed with the godfather Mm -hmm. it's just it it, but it's so good and such just beautiful intimate portraits of people it's i just i love it a lot um also magic (laughs) Jade Legacy by Fonda Lee. Go buy it right now. Uh, anyway, back into our world building and creating texture. What are some of the elements that we often overlook when we are trying to create texture in a world? So there are, uh, there's many that people don't automatically think of because they think world building and they think lineage of kings and government and geography and so on. But um, things that are very much a part of our own world, like pop culture uh, and entertainment. What are people doing for fun? Um, fashion trends, uh, uh, schooling or education, um, fitness, uh, sports. Um, we mentioned food earlier in, in this masterclass. Uh, religious life, um, daily commerce. These are all just sort of think about how you go through your day and the ways you interact with the world? And um, are you doing that in, in your fantasy world? Yeah. the uh, So I play a lot of role-playing games. And uh, one of my favorites is Warhammer Fantasy, which is set in kind of a low magic, fake magic uh, Europe. And that world always feels much more real and grounded to me than most of the D&D settings, even though I love them as well. And I was trying to figure out why. What about that feels more real and it's this concept of texture, uh, the idea that, you know, any given Warhammer fantasy supplement in describing the world is also going to have a sidebar that tells you about the specific names of all the pub games that they play in the taverns. Or they won't just eat food, they'll have names for this type of meat pie or something like that to just add extra specificity, like we talked last week, 
but then also kind of give those context. So it's not just we're in a pub, but we're in a pub playing this game of dice, which is called this because of this. And the last guy who played it lost and his you know name is still carved into the table and things like that. The other, uh, with those things, with pub food, games, all of that, give your character strong opinions about something. Like, that's, and and maybe give them a foil who has a counter opinion. Again, it can give you microtension within a scene, but it, it can make things feel more real if it's like, you know, he hears the sound of the arcade game and and it haunts him because he, you know, broke up with his teenage girlfriend and and lost the top score and has never been able to re- reclaim it. I don't know. I'm making things up wildly. But because um, I was. It's a good writing prompt. The it, smell, That's it, where the going. smell of, a, of a dresser drawer that at one point had mothballs in it is, but hasn't for probably decades, is the smell that will always bring me back to me being 12 years old and visiting my grandmother's house for the first time. You know, and that, but most people will smell that and think, oh, how do you, you haven't gotten the mothball smell out of that drawer, have you? That is not the reaction I have. Yeah, sorry, I'm, I'm, Weirdly, I'm going to wind up quoting Hemingway, uh, which I did not expect to do in this episode. Um, but uh, but this goes back to something that Fonda was talking about much earlier about similarities, that you can look for similarities um, in these these specific details. And we everyone has heard the uh, write what you know Hemingway quote. I'm going to I'm going to take a moment to read the like the length of the 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 actual quote, because it, it actually gets to what we're talking about here. Um, so, and it, it's not what most people think it is. You see, I'm trying in all my stories to get the feeling of actual life across, not to just depict life or criticize it, to, but to actually make it alive. So that when you have read something by me, you actually experience the thing. You can't do this without putting in the bad and the ugly as well as what is beautiful. Because if it is all beautiful, you can't believe in it. Write about what you know and write truly and tell them all where they can place it. Books should be about the people you know that you love and hate, not about the people you study about. Whatever success I have had has been through writing what I know about. So you know what it is to really like the taste of something. You can give that sensation to your character with a thing that is specific to that world. You can have someone in that world or a type of music that you know intimately what it is like to love as a fan. And you can attach that to a new type of music that you have made up for this world. And and that's going to make it feel specific and real and textural and grounded. Yeah, I definitely think that that phrase, write what you know, gets misunderstood a lot. Um, And that really what you're talking about, Mary Robinette, is writing what you know on a deeper level, on an emotional, experiential level, and taking that and applying it to new um, context in in your fictional world. And yeah. one thing I want to say to all the readers here is a little goes a long way. Like we may be giving you the impression that, you know, you have to 
just now all of a sudden dis- over describe everything and, and fill it with nuance and context. But that's not necessarily true. You want to pick your places and um, show those moments, those glimpses that imply that the whole world has that same texture. Um, I use the example of like the Hollywood backlot tour where, um, you know, I, I went to Hollywood Studio, or, uh, Universal Studios and you take the little tram and the street on this back lot looks so real, like down to, you know, um, the bubble gum that's stuck on the railing or the chipped paint on the windowsill. And it's entirely convincing. Um, and then you turn the corner and like, it's just held up by like boards. There's no building behind it. It's just, just the front. But what you do show has texture and feels um, very, very real and lived in. And the reader, the audience fills in all the rest for you. Awesome. All right. So what is our homework for this week? I would like reader, uh, uh, listeners to go and take a character um, that they have in the project that they're working on and free write your character um, with a day off uh, and have them just spend it doing what they would do on a day off. You know, where do they go? What do they see? Um, How do they get around? Um, What interactions do they have? Uh, And after this exercise, see if you can't find a few cool details that you learned in the process of this free writing that you can use in the background of your main story. Awesome. Well, this is Writing Excuses. You are out of excuses. Now go write. This episode of Writing Excuses was engineered by Marshall Carr Jr. and mastered by Alex Jackson. Your hosts were Dan Wells, Fonda Lee, Mary Robinette Kowal, and Howard Taylor. To learn more about Writing Excuses, visit patreon.com forward slash writing excuses. If you aren't familiar with Locus Magazine, they're a long-standing and respected website, magazine, archive, and resource for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Basically, they're the industry magazine for our genre. They also run the annual Locus Awards, a top-tier award that recognizes new, diverse, and excellent voices in speculative fiction. They tell the storyteller's stories through author interviews, book reviews, curated reading lists, international industry news, obituaries, and more. Locus has meant a lot to me, both personally and professionally. In my career, I've been interviewed by them, and I've also turned to them as a source of understanding who is involved in the industry. Locus is holding their annual fundraising drive to keep their doors open, lights on, and future bright. I'll be contributing to their crowdfunding campaign by donating a cutscene, some original art, and a couple of other things like... Do you want to do a one-on-one chat with me? So join me in supporting Locus. 